This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Brian Basilico. Brian is an award-winning author of the best-selling book, It's Not About You, It's About Relationship Marketing in the Social Media World. He was honored as one of the top marketers to follow in 2018. Brian is an online marketing strategist with over 40 years of marketing experience and the owner of an award-winning internet marketing company, B2B Interactive Marketing, Inc. He is a world-renowned for his LinkedIn training and innovative content marketing strategies and was one of the first 1,000 people to join the social network in 2004. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Roman. Man, it's a pleasure. Thanks for jumping on. Obviously, you're also a podcaster and Mm -hmm. other things that we can jump into, but uh, what's kind of been your journey to get to this point? Well, um, I'm going to try to make a long story short because I started in 1979 and my first entrepreneurial thing is I opened a recording studio in my father's basement and I've always been into marketing. Since then, I've worked for major corporations, opened up this company in 2000, but I'll give you kind of the, the route. When I started um, back in 1979, I tell people I was doing content marketing back then, and they say, dude, you know, how do you do content marketing in 1979? There's no internet, there's no email, there's no websites. And the way that I did it back then is I had an Atari 400 computer and a dot matrix printer, and I would actually type up stories on how to record. You know, kind of like you, man, you got this great audio set up, you know, and we we do commercials and music and things like that. And I type up these stories and I cut them out um, on the paper and I would lay them out on 11 by 17 sheet of paper and then put a logo on top of it and a, a newsletter thing. And I'd, I'd send it to the printer and they'd fold it, print it and mail it out. And that was content marketing circa 1979. So from there, I went to work for Corporation AT&T. I was a video producer, and then I opened up a commercial recording studio where I had five employees. We did uh, radio spots, IVR, which is interactive voice response. So we do the, the prompt shoot here on phone systems, training tapes for Motorola, ConAgra Foods, McDonald's, all that kind of stuff. Then I went on to work for a handful of other companies in advertising and marketing and things like that. And then I opened up this business in the year 2000. And back then, again, there wasn't a lot of online marketing. I was doing websites, but the cornerstone of my business at the time was doing something called business card CDs. And so it was a video on a business card CD that I'd actually print and you know ship out to clients and they could use those to market themselves. And then since then, the business has obviously evolved into... Uh, business to business communication. So now I'm at a point where I'm working with 10 to $100 million companies, helping them put together marketing strategies using content marketing, websites, email, social media, all that kind of stuff. But it still revolves around the same concept that I started in 1979, which was 
if you create great content and you can get the message out to your clients, the bottom line is it doesn't matter how you deliver it. You could still deliver it in the mail. You could put it in email. You could put it in social. You could put it on a website. The thing is, is you need to communicate with your clients the way they want to be communicated to and give them messages that educate them, make them aware of what you do and get them to contact you so that they decide to work with you and purchase your services. Yeah, I agree. And I think the, the thing that kind of transcends time is good content is always good content. Yep. The, the delivery mechanisms and obviously platforms may change. But if you have, you know, a, a crappy strategy and, and horrible content and not connecting to your target audience, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. Right. I agree with you 110%. One of the things I see with a lot of big B2B companies is, you know, they'll hire an agency. The agency will redo their website. And it's, it's something I'm actually working on a new book called Toilet Paper Math. If we have time, we'll get into that. But the concept is, is that what a lot of agencies tend to do is they put Botox on the website. They make it pretty. You know, they put in sliders. They do all this kind of stuff. But what the website really needs is a colonoscopy. They need to dig in behind the scenes, make sure the technology is set up right, that the content is written, you know, forward facing to their clients that they're utilizing it the right way so that they can collect data and use that data to create sales. So yeah, that's, it, it's you. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, a lot of agencies, that's kind of their, their main pitch. We'll redesign your site, so on and so forth. It's usually one of the biggest uh, expenditures then sell uh, ongoing uh, maintenance and service. And it's just mm -hmm. one of these things where you're just throwing things at something and that's not necessarily what that business needs. I mean, it may right. need a content overhaul, maybe technically it, it's fine. Uh, you know, aesthetically it can be improved over time, but mm -hmm. I mean, majority, majority of problems in terms of a website, I think are coming from the messaging and what they're, you know, what the company's trying to target and how they're representing themselves online and in general. Right. Yeah. And they need to be clear as to what their message is. You know, I mean, uh, I met with a client yesterday and their website, you know, they feel like their website is great, but what it is is an online catalog. There's no reason for anybody to go to the website unless they want to order something. You know, there's no, um, you know, they have one about us page. They don't have a story. They don't talk about the benefits of the products that they sell. It's just, you know, here's our products, here's our pricing or request a quote. And they can't figure out why they can't get any traction on social or, or get more people to get to their website, you know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can run a million dollars in paid spend wherever social, yep. paid search, media buys. But that destination, if it's crappy, that bounce rate is going to be high and there's not going to be any, you know, conversion in that sense. Right. Yeah. I tell people all the time, you know, it, it, one of the things I hear from a lot of people in the um, B2B world is they go to a webinar or seminar and it's like, we need to do more SEO. And it's like, okay, cool. You know, SEO is great. Why do you want to do SEO? We need more traffic to our website. I said, Hey, I can get you a million visitors tomorrow for 500 bucks. You want that? Oh yeah. Okay. But you don't care that they're all coming from Russia and India, right? You know, it's like, well, no. Okay. <laughs> you know, you've got to know who you're targeting, where they're hanging out and give them something of value. You know, just driving traffic to a website doesn't equate to sales. It has to have, there's a process behind all this stuff. Yep. And I mean, you have to tell a story and have some kind of differentiator for somebody to stand, uh, stay on your website. Mm -hmm. You made that kind of distinction. And I thought about brick and mortars that have uh, gone out of business somewhat recently, like uh, Toys R Us. 
right a million opportunities to uh create in-store experiences that would have made that the location the brick and mortar location uh hubs for people to come and do other things like different sports leagues and you know game playing stuff and all kinds of interactive stuff with their you know jeffrey the giraffe mascots but they didn't do any of that and then nobody really needed to go there and they could have gotten everything else on you know amazon.com walmart.com and i mean they faded away right and that's exactly it yeah you've got to keep yourself relevant i say that you know you need to reinvent yourself every three years because everything around this is changing i mean man it's it's amazing this thing is 10 years old you know, most people can't imagine their life without having a cell phone with email and text and all the stuff that's out there. But man, 10 years ago, things were vastly different. Think of the number of iterations of phones that have come out in the last 10 years, you know, and how much everything has changed the way we do things. I mean, heck, um, seven years ago, the biggest thing in the world was QR codes. Where are they now? Right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they faded away fairly quickly. And then, like you said, you have to constantly change, especially to be in marketing as uh, long as you have been in terms of seeing changes in terms of the internet, social coming about. A lot of stuff was still uh, offline, you know, traditional yep. mail and different things in terms of like cold calling and stuff that worked, you know, decades ago fades away. And then you have to, like you said, reinvent yourself or you're going to fade away with that, you know, trend. Right. And a lot of people try to use old school techniques and adapt them to new things. I mean, I don't know how much time you spend on LinkedIn, but in the B2B world, you know, I spend a ton of time on LinkedIn and every single day I'm getting hit up by, hey, man, I can get you leads. I can do all this stuff. I can get you 30,000 people. And it's like, I don't need 30,000 people. I need three. Okay, if you could find me the three perfect clients, I'd be gratefully paying you to do that. But the bottom line is what you're doing is you're dumping me a cold call strategy that's been around since I was born. And, uh, you know, I could probably do better just walking into an office park and knocking on doors as opposed to paying you $20,000 for an old strategy on a new technology. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's, it's simply taking that and autom automating components of it and, um, charging money for it and right. I, I get those all the time they're just <laughs> i mean super annoying the, the amount i i get they add up to millions of leads which i don't know why people don't if that's the case utilize them themselves but you know to each their own and obviously it's a little spammy and you know yep. overhyping it but yeah it, it's exactly it they're selling you something that you you know i mean and, and the problem is is that like i said you know People go to webinars. We have something in this world called Vsauce, which is bright, shiny object syndrome. It's like, you know, Instagram instant savings or Instagram instant money or Facebook ad profit system or, you know, LinkedIn leveraging mega sales and high tech. You know, it's like, dude, go away. <laughs> you know, the bottom line is, is, you know, in my business, I mean, I built my business around, you know, I need four clients. That's it. You know, I just need four core clients. I can handle six. I think eight would be insane. But, you know, they don't know you. They don't know your business. And the bottom line, the first thing you do is you go to a client that I work with. I mean, I'm working with a client. It's like, okay, who's your perfect avatar? What do they buy? Where are they spending their time? What problems do they have? I mean, everything we do uh, for every client is based on with them. 
Um, you've heard of WIIFM, which stands, which is what's in it for me. But the biggest problem with these other guys is they're broadcasting on radio station WIIAM, what is, what is interesting about me, you know? I don't care what's interesting about you. The bottom line is your clients want to know how can they save money? How can they not get fired and keep their job? You know, how can they solve an immediate problem that they had that was created by another vendor? You need to be, you know, not necessarily in their face, but at the right place at the right time. And that's why, you know, the title of the book is Relationship Marketing in a Social Media World. It's not about getting hundreds and hundreds of people to pay attention to you. It's about getting the five, 10 people at the right time who need what you sell. Yeah, I agree. So when did you decide to write the book and what kind of prompted that? Well, I started in 2013. It, it got finished in 14-ish. And I, I actually started writing a book about social media. I, I wrote a how-to book about social media. I got through chapter number three and the book was obsolete because everything I was talking about changed that fast. So that's when I decided to write a book about why to. And I took experiences from like when I was a teenager, I worked in the shoe store. And in the shoe store, what we did, it was a specialty shoe store. They did uh, like kids orthopedic shoes. And so every three months, kids grow and they needed new shoes. So what they would do is they had these little metal plates and we would run them through a machine with postcards and, and find everybody whose kids had been in three months ago and say, hey, it's time for you to come in and have your kids' shoes measured and to make sure they're still fitting and if not, get a new pair. You know, that's marketing 101. You know your audience, you know the time frame that they need your service and you touch bases with them. And so those principles are no different today. So that's what that book is about. The, the second major book I wrote is this one. It's called The Bacon System. Now, the Bacon system is basically taking those techniques and using them in a way that makes sense for businesses. And it's built on three core principles. Principle number one is a killer website, which we discussed. Principle number two is Google Analytics, understanding your numbers. It's not how many people come to your website. It's which pages do they go to? How much are they engaging? You know, most people never even look at the engagement tag and they see that, you know, hey, I'm getting 3,000 hits to my website, but 2,800 of those people are spending 10 seconds or less. Nobody can do anything on a website in 10 seconds. You want to pay attention to the people that are spending 60 seconds to three minutes. I mean, that's where the sweet spot is. You know, yeah, some people will spend longer, some people will spend a little less, but you've got to know who's getting there, what they're looking at, what are they spending their time on, and how do you engage them more while they're there? I'll give you a perfect example of why this is important. Worked with one customer who had a, um, a website and a blog. They put the Botox on the site and they had one blog post that was getting the most hits on their website, more than even their homepage. It was about the parts of a tractor. They don't sell tractor parts, but they're getting all this traffic to this. And I'm, I, I said to him, I said, well, why aren't you doing more of that? You know, and then on that page, put a banner that says, hey, learn about, you know, the parts of a tractor and how our business can help you download our ebook, fill out our form, get something so that it can capture data off all of the traffic they're getting there, but they're not doing anything. There. So, you know, that's what analytics does. And the third component is content marketing. So it's website analytics and content. You have to great, create great content. And then that content needs to be on your website. 
and share it out. So put it on social media, put it on YouTube, put it on, you know, medium, put it on places where people can find it, where Google can index it. Then when people come back to your website, it's your job to capture the information, start creating the relationships. And that's what the whole system is about is understanding those three core things and what, you know, how can you, how can you turn a blog into an ebook? How can you turn a video into a blog into an ebook? You know, how do you create assets in your business in the form of content that you can use over and over and over again? That's really what the bacon system is about. Yeah. And I think you don't have to uh, reinvent the wheel. I think people make it too complicated or sit in front of a whiteboard. I think we don't have time for this. Uh, going after what your core message is, what your core content is, and obviously, like you said, repurposing it, taking written, uh, changing it to uh, visual in terms of social media and other mm -hmm. elements, turning it into a video, somebody doing an alliteration of that, or reading a script from it, and then doing a you know a video ad and or a video and then cutting it up for video ads and yep. uh, smaller clips so they're easily consumable for social media and then like we are here changing that into an audio format as well and covering kind of all your bases and having the delivery system because you're repurposing that one piece and making it fit throughout right i'm working with one customer right now the end game is a um it's a webinar and so we the meetings that we had today was with a writer who is going to write blog posts to prime people to come to the webinar. And when they come to the webinar, when it's done, there's going to be an ebook. So when they come live, they'll get an ebook. If they come watch the replay, they'll get an ebook. In order to get the ebook, they either got to sign up for the webinar or go on their website and fill out a form. They'll get the ebook and then a link to the webinar so that they can start to capture data. All of that stuff is part of a system. And then the video, when it's done, will be broken into small chunks and put up on YouTube, put up on, on LinkedIn, so that that can be a draw to drive people into the full webinar if they want to learn about it. So, you know, it's creating a system around assets that people can utilize over and over and over again, then, you know, other than creating everything from scratch and, and constantly reinventing the wheel. Yeah, I think it's important to have a strategy and then a process in which mm -hmm. to, you know, deliver that because you, number one, you can't scale if you don't have that. And number two, nothing is like you said, we need analytics and baseline things. And at the end yep. of the day, measure success to stop things that may not be working and, you know, uh, expand and, you know, hyper inflate and add volume to things that are so um, and, and other things like that, like if you're doing something that is sucking up budget and you don't need to be doing that, you know right away, real time, that that's not working and you redistribute your uh, marketing dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I see a lot of people just throw money at Google ads and, you know, okay, so what are you getting for the Google ads? We don't know. Turn them off. <laughs> just stop doing them and see if anything changes and nine times out of 10, nothing changes. Okay. Now take that money and throw it towards, you know, a webinar, throw it towards a podcast throw it towards a video, you know, take that money and put it somewhere else and then measure the results on it. So sometimes you need to just stop things and see what happens and then kind of, you know, retool based on whatever the results are. I mean, if their Google ads stopped and all of a sudden their traffic dried up and their sales were tanking, then, you know, turn them back on. <laughs> it's not that hard, you know, then figure out something else that might accentuate that, you know, and build upon it. But you've got to know your numbers. You've got to know, 
You know, I mean, I, one of the things I call myself is a QuickBooks geek. I mean, I'm in there every Saturday looking at my numbers, seeing which, you know, which things that I'm selling are generating the most income and why. Because when you're in the fight, you don't really think about that. You know, then you can look at the, the QuickBooks numbers and say, hey, man, I'm doing more of this. I'm doing less of this. This is more profitable. You know, now I can adjust my business to help my clients better that way, too. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so what motivates you to succeed? Um, you know, it, it really boils down to I, I really understand my business. I am in the business of helping other companies make money. So it motivates me to succeed. What motivates me to keep learning? Because again, you know, dude, I've been doing this for 40 years. I mean, I could still be living back in the 70s, you know, so I've got to learn all the tools and techniques, what's working on LinkedIn, what, you know, it, somebody talked to me about TikTok, you know, it's like, hey, you can do things with TikTok. Um, I, matter of fact, I think it was you on our podcast, you know, when I interviewed you, um, you know, you, you, the, I'm in the business of making companies money. So what motivates me is when I see a company being successful, I get jacked because here's the bottom line is um, I run my business with zero contracts. I bill my clients monthly and I tell them flat out, I say, if you are happy, pay the bill. And if you're really happy, I'll send you another one and you keep paying them. And the day you're not happy, tell me, don't bill me anymore. And if you're really unhappy, then, then tell me and you don't have to pay that bill. You know, the bottom line is, is I know my customers are happy because they keep paying the bill and asking for another one. <laughs> so, you know, that means that they're successful. They're making money. They're making more money than they're spending with me. And, I, and one of my business philosophies is every marketing dollar you spend should make three. And the reason it should make three, it's one to pay for our services. It's one to pay for their time because the most successful clients are the ones that are willing to invest the time and, and, and educate you as to what's important to them. Um, they spend time on Zoom meetings with my writers and my developers and my programmers to explain to them what's important. So they're going to have to invest time. So they need to make money for their own time and they need to make a profit. So for every marketing dollar you spend, you should make three, if not five dollars in ROI. If that's not working, then you need to reevaluate your system. Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, being a digital agency, you're a direct kind of arm or part of the company that, you mm -hmm. know, employs you. So when they succeed, you succeed. So like you said, absolutely, so mm -hmm. they work with you for, you know, ongoing period of time and, you know, increase spend as they, uh, you know, grow in success. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, co-mutual relationship. Yeah. No, there's, there's a woman I interviewed on my podcast. She's actually uh, 23, 24 years old and she runs an agency out of California and she does Facebook ads. And the bottom line is she will not look at a client who will not spend a half million dollars on Facebook ads. And, you know, I talked to her about this, like, man, that's like crazy. She goes, no, the people I work with already have the system in place. We know how to amplify that to $1.5 million. So who wouldn't throw $500,000 if they could make 1.5 million, you know, and, and that's really, it, it just really solidifies the concept that I'm talking about. It's not the amount of money you spend. It's the system that gets you to the point where you're making more money than you're spending. Yeah, I agree. 
So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Oh, it's that's easy. Uh, my nickname is Captain Typo. I suck at writing. <laughs> I mean, I suck really bad. And so, but I've written three books. And so the weakness that I've learned how to do is talk in everything I do. So I can talk into my computer. I actually write my books by dictating. And then I employ people who are much, much better at writing than I am. I have a proofreader. I have an editor. I have people that actually can turn my gibberish into great content. So I know it's a weakness. And the reason it's a weakness is because I move too fast. If I've got to sit down and type something in and reread it and fix all the grammar, everything that's in my brain gets dull. So I've learned how to expedite, basically put a USB cord in the back of my neck and suck the data out by talking it in as opposed to writing it in. And so that has given me the ability to interview. And here's another thing too, another, say it's a weakness, but it's really a strength. Over the course of the years, being a video producer, running a recording studio, doing a podcast has taught me how to interview people. So I use that skill with my clients to ask them the tough questions that they don't ask themselves. And when we do that, it's usually on a Zoom meeting, which I can immediately then run it over to Rev, have that transcribed with a really super quick uh, digital service. I mean, I can sometimes I have to get it done where it's done by human, but the digital service gives you enough context and you can listen to the audio to get that information. So I know how to interview them and put that content in front of my team so that they can get the maximum value out of the shortest period of time, giving the customer the ability to not have to spend hours explaining. Yeah, I think in, uh, with, the, with the changes of technology, you're utilizing it and harnessing it to your benefit. Like yep. The whole, you know, talk to, uh, to speak to type. Yep. And uh, if you're not, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm okay at writing, but when I reread it, it when, when I'm in the moment, it sounds great, but when I'm proofreading, it sounds horrendous. Right. And uh, usually I have a tendency to like stop a thought and then continue the same thought. So I retype things like twice in a row um, and sometimes don't catch it. But I mean, I've tended to do a better job proofreading. But, you know, sometimes technology allows you to uh, improve upon and uh, harness that in order to get through a weakness to kind of, uh, you know, move forward. Yeah, I'm just trying to get out of my own way. You know, I'm just trying to get the thoughts out as quickly as possible and uh, and, and get it down. I can always go back and re -re rewrite it, reread it, but it's like, you know, if I got to stop and look at things, it, it takes me out of the flow. You know, that's why I love doing these kind of interviews because, I mean, I'm, you know, just basically pulling this stuff out of my head and, you know, answering your questions in a way that hopefully you find helpful and especially your audience finds helpful. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you have for the audience, personal or professional? Oh, man. Uh, well, I think the most important thing that I've lived by over the course of the years is, number one, you have to know your strengths. You have to basically you work to your strengths, you hire to your weaknesses, and you've got to be willing to give up the portions that you're not good at and find somebody who can do it better for you. And I think the second piece of that is you have to be a learner. You have to continue to learn. Spend as much time as you can 
reading, learning, watching videos, you know, being listening to podcasts, doing things. Try to get knowledge from people who are, are successful as as you want to be. And, and that, you know, I mean, the Seth Godin's of the world and the, um, you know, all the people that are the gurus out there, they're constantly putting things out. And you may be a fan of Gary Vee or, or you may be a fan of Joel Kahn or somebody out there who you feel is a, a good you know, mentor, thought leader and things like that. Learn from those people and try it. And here's a bottom line. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, try it. If it doesn't work, move on. I mean, over the course of five years, I've constantly reinvented my business. I started out working as a, you know, one-on-one consultant for small businesses. And what I found is they, A, didn't have the money or the time to, to execute the things I was teaching them. They loved what I taught. But they just don't have the budget nor the time to do it. So I've had to, you know, slowly evolve my business to where it is today. And and that's it. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, everything is a learning lesson that you can take with. Yeah, I think failing, uh, you know, failing leads to success and Mm -hmm. uh, you reaching your goals because, you know, everyone's going to have a failure or some kind of hurdle. But then learning from that, adjusting or pivoting in a different direction to you know, bypass that. And from every failure, it's important to take something positive out of it and have a learning experience and not something that like you dwell on or harp on, you know, if I could change this, things Mm -hmm. would go different. But I mean, that route was never gonna, you know, you can't turn back time. So learning from it, uh, making sure you don't do the same mistake in the future and adjusting what you're actually doing. And then the whole anything in 2020 you can learn anything you want everything is open source right before when you know you had like the people you mentioned actually i met gary v i've heard seth uh, godin speak at like a more like a smaller event which was nice because a lot of the time he's in bigger settings but uh both of those things were free so bypassing and getting to the people you want to learn from one from the content online and there's opportunities where you can meet these people all over the place you just have to invest the time to look and i it, uh, i guess two years ago I, I had a heavy strategy in terms of meeting some of the people so i met uh, the co-founder of paypal i met uh, mm-hmm. other people like gary vaynerchuk and gerard adams and uh, lewis house and other people and every single person was free so it was a direct result of me understanding and being good at figuring out what they're doing, different meetups they might be at. Uh, mm-hmm. If there are paid events and you can't afford them, oftentimes there's happy hours or networking things after where mm-hmm. people come out. So like there's nothing in 2020 that you can use on, as an excuse to either learn from or, you know, learn from people that you, you feel are like industry leaders mm-hmm. or in general, learn to uh, increase your skill set and redefine yourself and kind of build yourself up for the next big thing. Can I pile on that? Sure. Yeah. The way I want to pile on is over the course of the years, I've invested a lot of money in exactly that too. I mean, don't be crazy and go to every conference, but I mean, the two things I've done is I've invested in a lot of coaches, business coaches, and they were very specific. One was a speaking coach. One was a podcasting coach. One was a sales coach. The current coach I'm working with right now, mindset coach, is the one who really evolved my business and the business model that I have right now. I mean, I probably spent, and this is no joke, I mean, it's probably been sixty dollars to $100,000 in coaches. I belong to masterminds. I mean, I go to, ma- I, I've created masterminds, I've paid for masterminds, 
and I've invested in my business. But the bottom line is I practice what I preach. That money that I've spent has doubled and tripled and quadrupled what my earning potential is. So don't be afraid to spend money, but be smart about it. And I would say, you know, the best thing I ever did was invest in those coaches because they got me. You can have all the free content in the world, but the problem is free content does not give you accountability and feedback. And sometimes that is one of the most important things you have to do is ask people if you're crazy and be willing to accept when they say, dude, you are or do dead. You are crazy. Don't go down that road. And here's why. I'll give you a real clear example. We we're just talking about this in the mastermind the other day is somebody stiffed me, you know, for fifteen hundred bucks. And I went down the road of hiring a collection agency and hiring a lawyer and suing them. And one, you know, I was in a mastermind and one of the people said, how much do you charge an hour? And at the time it was only a hundred bucks. I charge way more than that right now. And I said, well, a hundred bucks an hour. How many hours have you spent on this? And I said, well, I've spent 10. And what are you paying your lawyer in the collection agencies? Well, I'll get half from the collection agency and I'm paying the lawyer, you know, $250 an hour. And they looked at me and said, you're willing to spend, you know, three to $5,000 to collect a $1,500 debt. And I will, yeah. And they went, no, dude, you can easily spend two minutes on the phone and find another $1,500 client, let it go. <laughs> it's like, move on. And I just went, holy crap, you're so right. You know, it's like, it took that accountability of being in a mastermind to make me see how dumb I was being, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, coming to a point where your time is more valuable than uh, money or figuring out, like not devaluing your time, either undercharging, you know, a client right. or people that want something for, for free, usually they're not necessarily the best clients. Right. Um, or like you said, the whole thing, like, is this really worth it? So doing the math, I have to go through all this grief and waste all this time. But like you said, I can, I can easily make that and more. Uh, if I go after and just look for another client and let this thing just kind of fade away. Exactly. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah, the easiest way is Google Brian Basilico. It's B-R-I-A-N-B-A-S-I-L-I-C-O. From there, you will find all my blogs, my podcasts, my websites, my books on Amazon. Easiest way to find me. There's only two of us. It's me and some kid who's a college hockey player. So I think you'll be able to figure it out pretty easy. Awesome. Thanks again <laughs> for stopping by. Thanks, Roman, man. It's a pleasure. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.